0: Welcome to Primetime! This week, Lord Wilmington, or an episode for examining Spencer Compton, the first Earl of Wilmington, the favourite non entity of George II, and for connected purposes.
1: Hello, and welcome to Primetime! We're rating all the British Prime Ministers from Robert Walpole to the modern day. I'm John. I'm Rob.
2: And I'm Cass, and today we're on our second Prime Minister, and our first Lord.
0: We've completed the set already! (laughs)
1: Before we start, I do have to point out that Lord Wilmington was also known as the Honourable Spencer Compton, which is the name he'd have used for most of his life. However, like many of our Prime Ministers, he became a Lord... When you get made a lord, your name changes, and some people will be ennobled further still with additional peerages and therefore potentially additional names. <laughs> it's so confusing. And this is before you get into courtesy titles. <laughs> oh,
2: God. So, you know, like in that Friends episode where Phoebe was like Princess Banana Hammock?
1: Technically, is it, I think you have to be it, could a lord. You be lord Banana Hammock? <laughs> I think you have to be a lord of somewhere, lord but
0: that's of not Banana always Hammock. the case. Not for the lower ones. I think Baron is always just Baron this, Baron that.
2: Baron Banana Hammock.
0: Baron Banana Hammock. So, to make it all
1: simpler, in each Prime Minister's episode, we're only going to use the name they had when they initially became Prime Minister. Okay. Unless they
0: are better known by another name. (laughs) Unless, caveat. (laughs) (laughs) So, we're going to call him Wilmington. Yes, Lord Wilmington. Okay, perfect. However, he was Spencer Compton.
1: We've already broken that rule because in the previous episode... We referred to him as Spencer Compton several times. And that's unfortunately just how it's going to work, because at the time he would have been known as Spencer Compton. Yeah. Early life. Born in either 1673 or 1674, we actually don't know which, the third son of James Compton, third Earl of Northampton, and his second wife, Mary Noel. Unfortunately, a bit of a theme at the time was child mortality. Uh.
2: And he died, surely. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Our youngest ever Prime Minister. <laughs> the first wife was Isabella Sackville, and she had six children with James Compton.
2: Wait, of the of the Sackvilles?
1: Yes, and they're really relevant to this episode. And
2: also, the Sackvilles lived in a house called Knoll.
1: Ah. Unfortunately, Isabella died not long after the birth of her last child, and although James remarried quickly all of her children had also died by the time Wilmington was five.
2: Oh, gosh.
0: oh, oh that's
1: yeah. He would go on to lose another older brother and possibly a younger sister before he was an adult. Oh, Yeah.
2: You need to do what the Warpaws did and have like 25 kids. So they did.
1: <laughs> Despite all the deaths, Wilmington had a surviving older brother and a sister and also possibly a younger brother. George, his older brother, would go on to inherit the family title and... All the family wealth.
2: Oh no. What happens when you have an older brother? Yeah.
0: That's John speaking bitterly. (laughs) As the older brother myself, I'm looking forward to receiving my title. (laughs) Mary, his sister, married back into the Sackville
1: family.
2: Ew. Yeah, well. Although I guess they're not, are they related?
1: So she was marrying the first cousin once removed of her father's previous wife.
0: Ew. Oh, that just oh. E- even if you can vaguely quantify it, that just still sounds gross, doesn't it?
1: Well, it does sound like there was a lot of marriage between the families, and they weren't like oh, actually related. That's
2: not a sentence you ever <laughs> want though. No.
1: But George Sackville, the sixth Earl of Sackville, was twenty-six years her senior.
2: Ew. Yeah. Ew. And her cousin.
1: Hmm. There must be other men. <laughs> Surely. Surely. But when it comes to marrying into the Sackville family, if at first you don't succeed, <laughs> <laughs> wed and wed again. Yeah. In 1681, when Wilmington was about seven, his father unfortunately died, leaving everything to George, the eldest brother, who was about ten years older than Wilmington was. George sent his younger brother to St. Paul's School, and he then went on to study to be a barrister at Middle Temple at about the age of 13. Wow. (laughs) What? Clearly the uh, bar was a bit lower in those days. Oh, Oh, wait.
2: brilliant.
1: (laughs) He was never actually called to the bar, and instead he went to Trinity College Oxford about two years later. Apparently he didn't graduate from there either.
2: He went there at 15.
0: Yep. Stop sending your children to do professional qualifications.
1: (laughs) That's why they keep dropping out. Well, it was his brother who was going, oh, go to to Oxford or something. (laughs) His father had fought for the Royalists in the Civil War and his uncle was Bishop of London. His brother, George, deserted from James II and carried the scepter and cross at the coronation of William and Mary. So this is a family of rich, powerful politicians and they were high Tories. Right. Around this time, though, Wilmington had a bit of a falling out with his brother, possibly about the fact that he needed to get a job. (laughs) (laughs) He went into politics, but he did so rejecting everything his family had stood for. He was going to be a Whig. Oh, Oh.
2: that's so drama.
0: And Mm. because he was a teenager, so of course he was going to (laughs) rebel. Just wait a few years and calm down.
2: Was he 12 when he went into
0: politics?
1: (laughs) (laughs) He was in his early 20s.
2: I hate you, I'm going to go to (laughs) Parliament.
1: (laughs) A career in politics. Having rejected his immediate family... Wilmington sought help from his sister's new family, the Sackfields. Oh my god,
2: is he going to marry into them?
1: Well, he asked to be elected in their pocket borough of East Grinstead in 1695. I'm not sure if they supported him or not, but he didn't get the seat. Ooh, Ooh. you can't even get a pocket borough,
0: mate. That's
2: That's embarrassing. That is embarrassing.
1: He tried again in a by-election in 1698 in I, which is a pocket borough of a Whig named Lord Cornwallis.
2: Did the eyes have
1: it? (laughs) The eyes did have it, because this time he was successful. (laughs) This actually puts him in about three years ahead of Robert Walpole, and makes him the only Prime Minister to have sat in the Commons in the 17th century. When was he elected? 16... Uh, 1698. 1698. That's a good fact. That is a good fact. He would later return to East Grinstead successfully, and after that he actually moved to the more prestigious Sussex County seat. Ooh. Unlike his earlier pursuits, Wilmington took to political life well. He became a teller, he gained a reputation as an expert in parliamentary procedure, and once Robert Walpole had been elected, the two became quite close, as they were both members of the Kit Kat Club.
0: <laughs> oh, sounds delicious.
2: <laughs> it sounds, sounds sexy.
1: So it wasn't either of those things, no. but, <laughs> oh.
2: uh,
1: but it, it is connected to those things. So the Kit Kat Club was a prominent club for Whigs. Its membership included a number of senior Whigs, alongside Walpole and Wilmington. There were also the Earls Stanhope and Sunderland. Uh, Those guys were, again? Yeah, they were the ones in power before Walpole, and also the Duke of Newcastle, who will come up later. Their first meetings were held at a tavern run by an innkeeper called Christopher Cat, or possibly Christopher Catlin. <gasps> oh, Kit Cat! I yeah. love that. His specialty was a mutton pie, known as the Kit Cat. <laughs> And according to one of the club's prominent early members, Joseph Addison, that's where the name of the club came from.
0: Oh, that's so lame.
1: But it gets better.
2: Like the pavlova, but less good.
1: But this is a name that has ripened with time.
2: Okay, like the pie.
1: In (laughs) the 1930s, chocolatier and philanthropist Joseph Roundtree created a chocolate bar that he called the Kit Kat. I was going to
0: ask as a joke if they were connected. So (laughs)
1: annoyingly, Roundtree never recorded if it was named after the club or the mutton pie.
0: Either way. In the 1960s,
1: a new American musical called Cabaret took to the stage. In the Kit
2: Kat Club. That's what I was thinking. I was picturing Lord Wilmington like, in <laughs> a pair of fishnet stockings.
1: <laughs> Well, that club in turn inspired the modern day club in Berlin.
0: Is this the most important mutton pie in history?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Potentially. I mean, I couldn't find any proof that the inspiration for this was the 18th century Wick Club, but I'm assuming it's all linked. Surely. It's some sort of international feline conspiracy. <laughs> So, going back to Wilmington, it was around this time when Walpole had just entered Parliament that Wilmington wrote to Walpole asking him to attend the Commons, which we mentioned in Walpole's episode, although we called him Spencer Compton at the time. He was appointed to various committees, such as the Commons Election and Privileges Committee, and in fact he oversaw the passage of the 1707 Act of Union, which is the one that combined England and Scotland. Oh, yeah. And Wales. And Wales. Wales was already in it and made the Kingdom of Great Britain.
0: Interesting. So just like Robert Walpole, he's getting stuck in.
1: He is getting stuck in. Yes. He actually chaired the committee on the whole Article of Union. He was really heavily involved in it. he's really heavily involved. Later that year, he was appointed to the household of Prince George of Denmark.
2: What?
1: The husband of Queen Anne.
2: Oh, right. I was like, why did he go to Denmark?
1: (laughs) He was appointed to the household of the monarch's consort which was possibly a reward for his work on the Act of Union. In those days, being in the royal household supplied one with opportunities for royal bootlicking. <laughs> and thus advancement. Yeah. Sure. Especially because Anne was an older style of active political monarch who would have picked her ministers herself. So being around and mm. cleaning shoes or whatever was a good way to, to get in. Great way to become foreign secretary. <laughs> mm. Wilmington and Walpole rode the ebb and flow of early 18th century politics. The weeks were in, and then they were out, and then they were in again, and then they did the hokey koki. <laughs> However, it has to be said that Wilmington seemed to be rather better at resisting the retreating tide than Walpole was. He was appointed paymaster of pensions, which is a very lucrative post in 1707.
0: Because you can siphon off some of the pensions for yourself. <laughs> so
1: this is the really interesting thing. As far as I can tell, if you're paymaster of something, you choose how much you're paid for the post.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: great. Mm. Yes, it was a very lucrative post. It was in 1707. And he... Had actually managed to hold on to this position when the Tories took over in the latter years of Anne's reign. Even though he stopped being an MP at the time. Huh. For three years. How do
2: you stop being an MP?
1: He had a little fallout with his patron.
2: Oh, as not sorry, he was no longer like...
1: So he wasn't allowed yeah, okay, to, sure. to stand in that seat anymore, at least he didn't win. So, ah. yeah. But he just and, continued
0: and for three years? So for
1: three years, he wasn't an MP, but he was still paymaster of pensions, even though it was a Tory government.
0: It was a Tory government, he was a Whig, and he wasn't an MP, but they still kept him on. Yep.
1: Wow. Possibly because his family was just so powerful that the Tories wanted to keep him happy. Where they could see him.
2: Was he really hot?
1: Well, he never married. So no. (laughs) Although he did apparently have several illegitimate children. So maybe. (laughs) With the Hanoverian accession, Wilmington achieved even greater success. He was made Speaker of the House, which is a very important role. Robin. Please, can you briefly summarise what the Speaker of the House does? Does he speak
0: at he, the House? That is exactly what the Speaker does. The Speaker sits in the big chair at the front. They are the one that presides over the House. Um, they're the ones that tell people to shut up when they're shouting too loudly. They're the ones that pick who speaks next. They're just generally in charge and they oversee things. But nowadays, they're meant to be completely non-political. When you become a Speaker, you're meant to renounce your previous allegiances
1: yeah we hadn't we hadn't developed that by then oh i see <laughs> they're
0: really political they are although
1: to be fair this was an evolution of the role from what it used to be it used to be that they were the monarchs representative in parliament and so they'd become parliament's own representative but it hadn't yet evolved into oh maybe we shouldn't let somebody who only picks their mates be speaker <laughs> right the historian dr robin eagles remarked that he brought a sense of aristocratic hauteur to the role And he was a bit of a lax speaker. During a loud debate, he once told a member, No, sir, you have a right to speak, but the House have a right to judge whether they will hear you. Oh, really? (laughs) So essentially, I'm not going to tell them to shut up. You shut up. (laughs) He was also made the personal treasurer of the Prince of Wales, the future George II. This isn't a particularly impressive position, but similar to his earlier position in the royal household, it's quite prestigious and it provides a lot of opportunities for sucking up to power.
0: Yeah, and sucking up to the
1: air. Yes. And it has a lot of potential if you're willing to play the long game, yeah. because today's Prince of Wales is tomorrow's king. Oh, yeah. However, this is also where Walpole outstripped Wilmington. Despite Wilmington being quite successful, Walpole was streets ahead. He became First Lord of the Treasury. He wasn't yet in his premiership, but he was He was up there, and he was the leader in the commons for the, for the Whigs, essentially. However, in 1717, the Whigs split. This is where a number of Whigs, including Walpole, didn't like George I's foreign policy directives, where he was trying to say, look, I rule Hanover and I rule you, and that means that you need to support Hanover, and Hanover might support you for whatever that's worth. And the Whigs didn't like that.
0: Basically, like, please look after my other hobby. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no.
1: The outcast Whigs were also somewhat aligned with the Prince of Wales, who didn't get on with his father. As Speaker of the House, Wilmington did actually try to remain neutral, but at the same time he was very close to the Prince of Wales, so he would obviously then be associated with the outcast Whigs. Wilmington seems to have managed his position quite well. He appeased both sides, and therefore he retained both of his positions as Speaker and as Treasurer to the Prince of Wales.
0: That's a tightrope, isn't it?
1: However, it's possible that Walpole wasn't impressed by Wilmington's behaviour, because they seem to have drifted apart at about this point. Okay. The South Sea Crisis struck in 1720, Oh this again. and as far as I can tell, Wilmington had nothing to do with it, other than advising the Prince of Wales to stay away.
2: Ooh, okay. He's got
0: the smarts. Mm.
1: In the aftermath of the crisis, Walpole came out on top, and he became Prime Minister for the first time. Walpole clearly didn't consider Wilmington to be one of his nearest and dearest, because he didn't give him any new jobs at this time, although he was still Speaker. As a side note, something that we forgot to mention in our episode about Walpole is that Walpole's administration was dubbed the Robinocracy.
0: Mm. (gasps) The second best thing ever to be called the Robinocracy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway,
1: back to Wilmington. So Wilmington was a useful Whig. Also, George was only getting older and Wilmington was very close to the future king. So in 1722, Walpole gave him a bit of a handout and made him paymaster of the forces. Another very well-paid. Oh Another paymaster yeah. job. Mm. So well-paying, in fact, a contemporary reported that he received £100,000 for this role.
2: What's that? That
0: sounds that, that sounds like it's going to be so much. £18 million in today's money. £18
1: million?
2: Yes, yes. that is good. A year?
1: Over eight years.
0: Oh, rubbish.
2: Oh, yeah,
1: no. <laughs> God. But that's a lot of skimming off the top. That you couldn't even live odd. in London for that. <laughs> Three years later... Walpole and the King decided they were going to put together a little club, called the, the order- Club. <laughs> called the Order of the Bath.
2: Oh, <gasps> that club! Mm. The Bath. The one. nice club that has
0: medals mm. and baths and baths. <laughs> yes, Knights
1: of the Bath had existed before this. For example, Walpole's grandfather had been one. But this is the establishment of a formalised order, and we will definitely do a Prime Cuts episode about orders of chivalry and the order of the bath and everything that they represent you just
2: need to have like a little recording of you saying we'll do a prime cuts episode <laughs> I know. Yeah,
0: there are just so many things we have to do prime cuts episodes on wilmington was one of the founding members oh along with walpole along
1: with walpole yes in mm. fact he was higher in precedence than walpole was on the list oh really
2: maybe yeah. they just did it alphabetically no wait no no don't mind.
1: <laughs> well actually he would have been competent at the time all oh, right then well, right. yeah maybe yeah. they
2: did it alphabetically
1: but this is quite a good example of how patronage could be used to keep people happy Because being a member of the Order of the Bath didn't mean anything in
0: a real political or valuable sense. But you get a nice shiny bit of metal and a bit of ribbon, and everyone loves those. And a bubble bath, so. A new George in town. In June of 1727,
1: the 67 year old George I was visiting his beloved Hanover for the sixth time when he suffered a stroke. He was rushed to a palace belonging to his brother, and two days later, he died
0: making him, I think, the most recent British monarch to be buried outside Britain. Really? Mm.
2: Mm.
1: At this time, the death of a monarch required Parliament to meet immediately. And also, a new civil list would have to be drawn up. And there would be an automatic general election six months later.
0: Oh, it's a lot of... stuff has to happen. Mm. Which doesn't happen today.
1: No, not at all. It was expected that the new monarch would install their own people at this stage. And according to the memoirs of a contemporary, John Hervey, when Walpole informed the new king of his father's death, the immediate response was, go to Chiswick and take your directions from Sir Spencer Compton. Mm. This was Wilmington's moment. He had spent the last 12 years cozying up to the Prince of Wales, and it was time for the
2: payoff. Yes. Because the 18 million... Was not
1: pay off. <laughs> that, that was a rubber enough. No. That was nothing compared to the amount that he could skim off the top of the country. <laughs> <laughs> the first order of business was to write a speech for the king to deliver to the Privy Council. Oh, the
2: king's speech? A
1: king's speech, a yes. A king's
2: speech, okay, not the king's.
1: Speech. And to prepare the civil list, which is basically the payout that Parliament give the king. That's how they used to pay the king. Back in those days, they still hadn't really got past the James the first approach of the king saying, please give me money. <laughs> Wilmington was a bit overwhelmed by all this, but there was an obvious and easy answer.
2: Is it get Robert Walpole to do it all for you?
1: Yep! <laughs> oh, <laughs> Got him in one! <laughs>
2: That's what I would have done. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's not 100% clear if His Majesty knew that this was what Wilmington was going to do, but what we do know is that Wilmington wasn't able to hand in his homework with his own name on it. <laughs> and this led to a very embarrassing conversation with the King, where Walpole presented an absolutely excellent speech, And the biggest payout anybody has ever seen, and Wilmington was completely humiliated. Oh no, Uh, Mm.
2: Wilmington. Wait, so did Walpole did Walpole like do this on purpose? Well, he like drop in a minute.
1: So I've read several different accounts of it, and I'm not sure if they were both asked by the king, and the king was trying to weigh his options, Ah. or if Wilmington was asked to do it, and Walpole handed it straight to the king. Right, but. Wilmington was forced to admit in person to the king that he wasn't as good as Walpole was. Oh, no. Oh, that's so embarrassing. Mm. There is more to the, the decision here, though. Walpole represented stability and continued success, and contemporaries have also suggested that Queen Caroline, who was an ally of Walpole's, may have overruled her husband and just said, you're keeping him. And in any case, Walpole did very well at the subsequent general election, so that just kind of sealed the deal. Wilmington had fumbled it. Walpole stayed in power. As a consolation prize, Wilmington was made Baron of Wilmington. Ah. Which means that
0: from this point onwards, he really is Lord Wilmington. Excellent. <laughs> that was a lot easier to read his name. Yes, but a different Lord Wilmington for what he's going to be. <laughs> you are correct, yes. What? We'll get to it.
2: Oh no.
1: Unlike the Order of the Bath, this isn't a sticker for behaving yourself with the dentist. Sorry to anybody who has the Order of the Bath. <laughs> Wilmington left the Commons he left his speaker position behind him and he was elevated to the House of Lords. From Walpole's perspective, he was basically banishing his political opponent.
0: Mm. But sort of banishing him to a bigger and better house.
1: Well, but this is the thing, because Walpole ruled from the Commons. It makes you wonder if the reason that Walpole ruled from the Commons was because he could push people out at a moment's notice. Interesting. And this also meant that he could shower his critics with nice rewards whilst also getting them permanently out of the way.
0: Hmm. yeah
1: Wilmington was openly gracious with Walpole, but in secret he was seething, especially when Walpole described him as an old woman, <laughs> although I'm not sure if that was later on or not, I don't know. <laughs>
0: It's such a rubbish insult. I know. <laughs> rubbish. Try harder, Robert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they clearly didn't like each other, but weirdly, this actually worked in Wilmington's favour because over the next few years, he was made Lord Privy Seal, created Viscount Pevency, and Earl of Wilmington. That's that's
0: the different Wilmington.
1: <laughs> yes, and then appointed Lord President of the Council. Oh, so clearly they were the best of frenemies. Yeah. In the early 1730s, Wilmington started to associate more with the so-called Patriot Whigs, who worked with the Tories to oppose Walpole. This is basically a faction of the Whigs who don't like Walpole and are trying to assemble against him. In 1733, when the excise crisis loomed large, that was when Walpole was threatening to tax...
2: Oh, Popole the and tobacco, stuff. tobacco the and stuff. Yeah. Tobacco yeah. wine and stuff. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah. Wilmington threatened to resign. So Walpole made him a knight of the garter. And <laughs> I, he didn't I, resign.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I threatened to resign a few times. I've never been given anything. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Not even a garter?
0: <laughs> no. I have even to please leave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Having been quite obviously bought off, Wilmington's political capital was rather spent at this point, and he seemed content to live the rest of his days in the political background.
0: Counting all his medals.
1: And as a lord, he didn't have to fight for elections anymore. Yeah. And he remained Lord President of the Council, so he was sticking around. Yes. Yeah. So apparently he was very boring as Lord President of the Council, because you have to chair the Privy Council meetings. You do? So he was very slow, and, and oh. Oh, people hated him.
0: The last
1: gasp. In early 1742, Walpole's administration was on its last legs. There was a war with Spain in the colonies and another brewing on the continent, and Walpole was losing his grip. The government lost a motion of no confidence by a single vote, and Walpole resigned. At this stage, ministers were still appointed by the king, and in the absence of the one person who managed to buck that trend, George II made the choice himself. He needed someone.
2: He needed a guy.
0: Like a, like a best guy.
2: Prime guy.
0: <laughs> like some some a minister. Of, yeah, <laughs> some kind of minister. He needed
1: Lord Wilmington. <laughs> Hooray! All those years of sucking up finally paid off. Wilmington was made first lord of the treasury, and therefore we describe him as being prime minister. He'd made it! It quickly became clear that Wilmington was just a figurehead, and the real brains of the administration (laughs) was the Northern Secretary, Lord Carteret, whose job was becoming rapidly more important as the War of the Austrian Succession was entering its overture. Nonetheless, the 68 ish year old Wilmington was determined to make the most of his big break. He worked hard, he wouldn't take no for an answer. And he died in office, just 16 (gasps) months later. Oh, no. Is that it? His cabinet barely noticed. (laughs) Lord Carteret remarked that it was an event of great consequence and that he was sorry it happened at this time.
2: Oh, no. And then
1: presumably went on with whatever he was doing.
2: Oh, he didn't even have chance to skim loads of millions off the top of it. Oh, no. How did he die?
1: Uh, I think he was just overworked. He was apparently exhausted. Was he?
2: He, was just, oh. he didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> he, he apparently did work
1: very hard when he became prime minister, but I really struggled to find anything he did. Oh, oh no!
2: <laughs> that's So, so tragic. Sad.
1: And that's why we're moving on to reach him.
2: I can feel a right on coming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> prime and premiership. Lord Wilmington was described by John Hervey.
2: Kirby Hervey,
1: <laughs> a contemporary. As a plodding, heavy fellow with great application, but no talent.
2: Curvy Wilmington.
1: (laughs) His only pleasures were money and eating. His only knowledge,
0: forms and precedents. Uh, He sounds quite dull. Dull? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) The sad thing is, he sounds like me in (laughs) 50 (laughs) years (laughs) time.
0: He's probably going to make his own podcast if he was around in this era. (laughs) There are a few things that happened during his premiership that I saved for this section. Okay, (laughs) the premiership that you described in a total of about 25
1: seconds. (laughs) (laughs) So the War of Jenkins' Ear was still going, and Wilmington successfully shifted the focus towards Europe and away from the Americas, where the British fleet was able to blockade the Spanish coast quite successfully. Whereas if you remember, they'd really struggled with fighting really far away, so they brought the war nearby, and that was a good thing for them. Yeah. Also, it was a good thing because... There was another war brewing in Europe, so having your forces nearby, probably good. The War of the Austrian Succession was building up, but Britain wasn't actually seriously involved until after Wilmington's death. Wilmington was mostly seen as a caretaker, and he never really changed that perception, unfortunately, especially as his health deteriorated. I suppose it's worth mentioning, actually, as part of Prime and Premiership, that he is the first and one of a very exclusively small number to die in office. Oh, that's kind of fun.
2: Well, not for him. <laughs> not for him. Do you get points for it,
1: though? <laughs> no, you don't. So how are people thinking? Is there anything that you want to bring up from oh his God. incredibly
0: long I... prime ministership?
2: He died in he, office.
0: Yeah, he was there That's and cool. then he died. Slight improvements with a war. Mm-hmm. Worked hard a bit. Worked himself to death doing nothing.
2: As we don't know, like, how oh, he dear. died. Wait, did he die in Parliament? Because then we have that chat where it was like, if you die in Parliament, oh. then you're technically dying in a palace yes. or something.
1: Yeah, so you're not allowed to die in Parliament. They yeah. describe you as having died in the hospital on the other side of the I river. can't
2: remember why, what happens if you die in a palace, but...
1: it Then the royal coroner has to get involved and it's all it's very messy. Complicated. It's complicated. It's more pretending.
2: I like the idea that you'd get buried with all the royals.
1: <laughs> I genuinely don't know where he died. One of the things I really struggled with about Spencer Compton is that... Basically, nobody cared. Oh, all. that's so sad. He's the only Prime Minister that doesn't have a full-length biography written of him.
2: <gasps>
0: what, at all? At all. Rob, there is nothing. Rob's
2: seeing a gap in the market. <laughs> I,
0: I think after 300 years, I think there's a reason there's a gap in the market. <laughs> he, uh, uh, he also wasn't married,
1: didn't have any legitimate children, and he seemed, everybody just seems to have gotten on
0: without him quite happily.
2: Oh, oh. dear.
0: There's really nothing to go on. I, I suppose there's nothing bad. You haven't mentioned that he he made any sort of real yeah, howlers.
2: That's how he, he's going to be a five, isn't he?
1: So this is, I think, a
0: really yeah. interesting test because
1: he
2: didn't is, do anything. Is he the he, five? He didn't do anything. Yeah, And he died.
0: And he died. In <laughs> the, the height of his success. I'm
2: going to give him a point for dying. I think that's fun.
0: <laughs> do we have our, our points in mind?
2: Yeah, I'm going to give him five.
0: I'm going to say that... He didn't do anything, but it did take him 18 months to do nothing. So I'm going to go down to four and a half. But he was still fine. Oddly fine for doing nothing.
1: I am going to give him a five. I think that with a really blank slate, I'm going to lean towards the middle.
2: I gave him five because I thought he was worth four. But then I gave him an extra point for dying. <laughs> it's for dying, of course. Because yeah. that's fun. Yeah. He's our first guy to die in office.
1: That is true. So that's fourteen point five for prime and premiership. Life and legacy.
2: Is there anything, anything at all?
1: First off, he was the prime minister in a time when we we can't give give them all points for that. uh, (laughs) Well, no, but he was only the second prime minister, and we hadn't really established the office yet. Yes, but arguably he didn't do anything to establish the office, given that he was controlled by someone in his cabinet. So, if
0: anything, he's slightly. Weakened it. Yeah. Really? So maybe Because he, he was barely Prime it. Minister. He might have been first Lord of the Treasury, but if Carteret was controlling everything, he wasn't really oh, yeah. prime he in that it. sense. Yeah.
1: The one bit of legacy that he does have is that in seventeen thirty nine he was involved in the creation of an orphanage called the Foundling Hospital.
2: Well that's
1: nice. It yeah. Survived until the twentieth century. Hm. It was a bit of a fashionable charity at the time, and he was a board member, although And a boring member. <laughs> He wasn't one of the primary movers, donors, or patrons. He wasn't the person going out and making it happen. He was just involved.
2: When we say orphanage, are we talking, like, nice, idyllic orphanage? Or are we talking, like, Dickensian, horrifying, get all the orphans to do unpaid labour?
1: I think that really depends on your perspective. I think the answer is that they were trying to help, but that also they were shut down for a reason. And that's that putting children in what were essentially turning into workhouses probably wasn't good. Yeah, probably. Um, they were certainly oversubscribed at every possible stage and therefore probably struggled to be actually helpful to the children that they were looking after, but it was founded with good intentions, let's say that. That's, that's all I've got. Oh, God, yeah, oh, there's wow. nothing.
2: That's it. Oh, he's, he's got to be a five again. And just to clarify, for us, a five is like nothing, right? It's like yeah. nothing positive but no, nothing negative. You've come out exactly as you've gone in, pretty much. Like, he weakened the office, but then he founded an orphanage. Each of those is worth, like, half a point in a different direction, I'd say.
1: Mm, I, th- I think that weakening the office is actually a really good point. Because yeah. we gave Walpole credit for establishing a yeah, bunch Yeah, we things, did, actually. And Wilmington actively reversed that trend. Yeah. So, actually, I'm, I'm not very impressed
0: with that. No, right. and as a pure example, I've just Googled his name. And the Wikipedia article for the section Prime Minister, it's called... The Carteret Ministry. It's not even his name.
2: No, that's so embarrassing. That's so
0: embarrassing. Yes, we refer to his ministry
1: as the Carteret Ministry. Oh, okay, right. Especially because the ministry also rolls on into the next Prime Minister. So it's not even the time when he was alive. It just carried on.
2: That is actually a slightly negative legacy. it
0: is. It's not disastrous, but it's pretty crap.
1: people ready with their points?
0: Yeah, I think so. I'll go first. I think I, I like the orphanage, and maybe that'll have given him half a point if that i'm gonna go four
2: i'm gonna go four and a half the reason i'm gonna go four and a half is that i was thinking i would go four but then i remembered giving walpole three and i think that slavery is mm. a much worse legacy
1: <laughs> that's fair we're definitely going to learn as we go through this how, yeah. we, how we feel about these things to be fair to walpole though, he did
2: have a bunch of he good had a bunch stuff. of really yeah that things. kind of pushed that up but i still think like he, like, the thing about All Paul was that he was like, really bad stuff, and then some really good stuff. Whereas, like, this guy's just like, mm, yeah, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I think he is a little bit negative, but I don't think he's super negative. So, okay. four and a half.
1: I am also going to go with four. I think I would have given him three and a half for the fact that he weakened the office and was essentially forgotten.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, well, that averages out, so that's fine. Mm.
1: So, that's 8.3 for life and legacy. I
2: don't know how any of these numbers work.
1: Prime and Premiership, we just add up the the points that we gave. I
2: wish to remain in ignorance.
1: (laughs) Life and Legacy and Sin and Sincerity, they're just multiplied by two thirds. Just so that that way there's only 40 points available from those two categories rather than 60. Okay. Yeah, that's all it is.
0: And it's so we can add up the total maximum score to exactly 100. Sin and Sincerity. So I don't have much to say here. <laughs> Unlike all the other categories.
2: <laughs> he had some illegitimate kids. He did yes. have some illegitimate children. Yes. But Finally, did, a bit of He didn't fine. have a, a legitimate spouse, so. Well, no, but he doesn't matter that he had illegitimate mm-hmm. kids.
1: I don't know if he provided for them or not. Oh, okay, yeah, that's but a bit dodgy. Let's assume didn't. that he that they weren't treated as well as the children of an earl probably
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah. could
1: be treated. Yeah.
2: yeah. What happened to all those 18 million after he died?
1: So this is one of the things I do have, Ooh, which fun. is that he left his fortune and estate to James Compton, who was the son of the older brother that he had had a disagreement with. Ooh. This is perhaps a little sinful because he didn't leave it to the Sackvilles, who had <laughs> sponsored him through Parliament.
2: Uh, yes.
1: So besides that, I suppose the only other thing worth mentioning is that he did manage to skim a hundred thousand pounds off the top of his paymaster. Kind yeah.
2: of dodgy. That
0: is bad. That's true, and we are judging this very much from an enlightened point of view. Oh
2: god, well, but it's so boring. It is quite so boring, There's though. nothing drama there at all. He's so dull.
1: <laughs> He's, He's really so dull. dull. Oh. The frustrating thing is, when we score him and he comes out with sort of bang on 50. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He's going to come up at
2: the same as, like, not that far down below wallfall. <laughs> <laughs> no! I'm going to score him negatively just for
0: that. <laughs> There's always time to whip out that minus 10,000. <laughs> Are we, are we ready with our
2: picks? Oh, God, no. I, I don't know.
0: Mm, yeah. I like that he worked hard. He seemed quite conscientious. That's yeah,
1: that's good. That's a fair point. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but he died.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, everybody dies at some point. You can't really hold that against him. He
2: died them. on the job. I feel like that's shoddy. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, we didn't have nukes at this point. It's not like, you know, the country was let down. You
2: know.
1: I suppose there's possibly something about how he tried to get Walpole to, to
2: yeah, that was do his sh- job
1: for him. Yeah, that's true. Whilst taking his job.
2: <laughs> yeah, don't like that. It's thing my kids would do. It. It's
0: hard to even get your brain into gear to think about him.
1: Yeah, when there's just nothing to go on. How did
2: you
0: do all this research done? I'm really impressed. <laughs> I would have fallen asleep. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I I've, I've think I've got a score.
2: All right, you guys go first, and then I'll just say whatever you said.
0: I'm going to say... Uh, no,
1: no, no, no. no, no.
2: <laughs> the whole point
1: of this is that we're supposed to have decided on our oh, scores before we hear right. each other. Yeah, so I've... we can horse trade if we want, but we have to have... Yeah, yeah.
2: I've, yeah I've decided.
1: Okay, Kess, can you go first? Oh, then, no.
2: Uh, <laughs> no. I haven't actually decided. <laughs> five.
0: Five. I'm going to go... I think I'm going to go f- four. Maybe four and a half. I'm going to go four. Actually... <laughs> I'm going to have to go back up to 4.5.
2: Yeah, maybe the Walpole thing knocks him down a little bit, okay. but like... Yeah, ugh, that's a I bit not I don't even think it's exciting.
0: Skimming a bit of money is a bit naughty. So that's yeah. 9.3
1: for Sin and Sincerity. Majority. So, Wilmington actually, arguably, has one of the most fantastic majorities ever seen. This is astounding. Ama-
0: because he inherited Because Walpoles. he inherited
1: Walpoles, but also... Some of the people in his ministry were members of the opposition Whig faction. So, arguably, he had the two largest parties in Parliament behind him. Oh,
2: God, he's not going to do better than (sighs) Warbog.
1: He's going to do the same. He's going to get ten points. He had a a majority, technically, of 246.
0: Oh, Oh God. Which is absolutely (laughs) mahusive.
2: He didn't deserve it.
0: No, he really didn't.
1: And that gives him ten points.
0: (laughs) I think this a little shorter than Robert Walpole's <laughs> 20 years. So he's
2: gone from... Oh, is he the short... Nope, no, he's not.
0: He is not.
1: <laughs> he was in for one year, four months, and 16 days.
2: How how long was Truss in for?
0: 49 days. Trust you is... are
2: kidding. Was it actually that short? Yeah, it was
0: like she six, six not weeks. not the shortest-lived Prime <gasps> Minister we're going
1: to do in this podcast. What?
2: No. Oh, who's shorter than that? That's so You'll find out. You'll find out. Did You're they also die in the... Office? <laughs>
1: Nope, No No excuse. (laughs) So that's a total of 501 days, which gives him a score of 2.5. Out of a maximum
0: 10. Yes. Still a quarter?
1: You'd be surprised how many Prime Ministers don't last very long.
0: Yeah. Mm. Prestige points. So
1: first up is Peerage. Yep. Wilmington finished as an Earl, but he also started as an Earl. So Um, he doesn't get any points for that.
0: No. Because we're making a very, very important judgement on this podcast, which is the only reason to become Prime Minister is to get a nice peerage out of it. Right. That's the only reason. And if you start as an Earl and you end fair. as an Earl, yeah, you've got nothing. What's You're the point? A waste of time. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. However, he was made a member of the Order of the Garter and the Order of the Bath, so he gets a point for that. Okay. Progress. Wilmington went to... St. Paul's School, which is not on our our list of... of, um...
2: Oh, but it's so poor. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: But he went to Oxford, so... right, yeah. I was going to say, I don't
2: don't think we can...
1: Uh, Yeah, so he doesn't have what we'd consider to be a diverse educational background. Uh, He also wasn't a woman. Um...
0: He was an old woman.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Does he get a point for that? (laughs) Um, No, I'm afraid he does not get a point for progress. Yeah. Next up is Practice... He did not hold any of the great offices, so he does not get any points for that. However, I will note that he was both Lord President of the Council and Lord Privy Seal, Lord Mm. Keeper of the Privy Seal. Doesn't get any points for it, but those are great officers. Next up is parlance. This is where we give them points.
2: If he was a priest... Yes, a priest. Was he a priest?
1: He was not a priest. I'm going to tell you now that none of them were priests, and I found out the reason why, and that's because there is actually a ban on priests having offices.
2: Really? Yeah.
1: More importantly, he wasn't a lawyer or an army officer. He was a member of the nobility, but as the younger son of an earl, his only courtesy would have been that he would have been referred to as the Honourable Spencer Compton, which he would have already been called Honourable in Parliament anyway. Yeah, you're right. At least today. So he doesn't get a point for Parliament. Polling. Wilmington did contest and win two elections in the Sussex County constituency, which was therefore not a rotten borough.
2: In the space of 16 months?
1: No, he wasn't Prime Minister at the time.
2: Uh, uh,
0: you thought he was going to get a point.
2: No point. But he no doesn't get a point. Points.
1: And that means that we have his score.
2: Okay, what do you think?
0: Probably going to be not too bad, because we were mid-range for the first... Seventy points. Oh
2: god, yeah. Do you reckon? He's and then gonna he had be... ten for I was going to say, do you reckon he's going to be like horrifically close to Robert Walpole?
0: I think. I thi- yeah, he might be a little bit below. I'm going to say like forty-seven, forty-eight. Or I something. think
2: mid
1: fifties.
0: Forty-five point seven. Oh, few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did well. Okay, still, good. See, so have actually good, come
2: well. below middle. Yeah, good.
0: But not much, but... No, that's
2: true. But I, I do think, actually, that that's, that's kind of where he is, right? That, that actually yeah. tracks, because, like, he's just so... Bleh.
0: Yeah, you're right. I think he'll be thrilled that we're talking about him now. <laughs> yeah. And that leads us to the final question.
1: Is he... Right on or right off?
2: Right, what have you got for this <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Really so, so, I actually do have something to say here. <laughs> Doing the research for Lord Wilmington and for other Prime Ministers... It has become really clear that we made the right decision for Robert Walpole, because he cast such an incredibly long shadow.
2: Yeah.
1: There are interactions with Walpole that are the highlights of other people's stories.
2: Yeah, we were maybe a bit harsh on Walpole, <laughs> <but> <laughs> For I example,
1: mean... Walpole's government was lost by a, a no-confidence vote, the, lost by one vote. Yeah. That was relevant for Wilmington's episode, but it didn't make the cut for Walpole's... <laughs> Yeah, you're right. And we're going to be talking about him for so many more episodes. We made the right choice with Walpole to give yeah. him a write on. Sorry, wait, who was Lord Wilmington
0: again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think there's any argument. He barely features in his own episode. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, he did die in office. How many people died in office? I
0: think seven.
2: Oh, okay, that's not even that interesting then. I no. thought it was going to be like two.
1: No, there is someone who died much more interestingly in office as well.
2: Ooh.
0: Yeah, that'll come up. But, okay. Well,
2: yeah, that's it. That's all I heard.
0: I think that yeah. the the nose probably have it, don't you? It's nothing. He did work hard. Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> he, he once visited an orphanage. Didn't achieve much. <laughs> he did not. No, I'm afraid. I think very much the nose have it with oh. this one.
1: Well, I'm sorry, Lord Wilmington, but yeah. you are in fact a write-off.
2: <laughs> oh. Do you know what? Do you know what Britain needs now, though? <laughs> A guy? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
1: Maybe the next guy is going to be quite an interesting one. Ooh, Ooh exciting. Really? Oh, God, I hope so. So we've reached the point where I do actually have apologies to do.
2: Mm.
0: Already?
1: <laughs> yes. So in Robert Walpole's episode, I said that the Theatre Censorship Act was repealed in 1976.
2: It was 1968, and I read a Guardian article about it today, and I was going to tell you about it. Ah. Yes,
1: The point still stands that it was in for over 200 years. I'm just annoyed because we said that no facts were harmed in the making of this podcast. (laughs) That was a fact that was No, we said
0: no facts were included in the making of this podcast (laughs) and that is true.
2: I took a picture of the Guardian article because I thought it was so interesting because it said stage censorship actually ended after a guy tried to ban a private performance of a play called Early Morning which involved, and I quote, Queen Victoria in lurid plot featuring lesbianism and cannibalism.
1: (laughs) And the government said, hmm, I think we're going to exercise the right to say no to that. (laughs)
2: And the theatre went, nope. And that's how it ended. (laughs) That's amazing. Isn't that incredible?
1: Not with a bang, but with (laughs) Queen Victoria.
2: Not with that kind of a (laughs) bang.
0: Not with a whimper, but with a bang. I think more laws should be ended by that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: By people saying, we're going to do something so
1: awful that when you try and stop us, we will stop you from stopping us, and then we'll
2: throw it away. So good. Queen Victoria would have hated it so much, and I think that is hilarious. It
0: yeah. Is. So, we just wanted to say thanks not only for listening to this episode, but thanks for listening to the other episodes, because according to all the fun stats that we get online, we're actually being listened to by actual people, which is... Very exciting.
2: Shout out to our listeners in Australia. How mm. have we made it halfway across the globe? That's really exciting.
0: I know. Good day, everyone. That's fantastic.
2: <laughs> no nothing <laughs> will never listen. <laughs> again. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: But yeah, it's, it's it's brilliant. Do do keep tuning in. It makes this whole thing worth it. Tell all your friends. So now we've become those people,
1: we should ask that you can leave us ratings and reviews and things on all of the various podcast apps. Um, it'd be amazing to uh, see people voting on whether or not they think that Lord Wilmington deserves the uh,
0: write-on or write-off. Which, you can If you more. vote yes, you need to write in and tell us why. <laughs> please write
2: please. in and tell us why. If you know anything interesting <laughs> about Lord Wilmington at all.
0: Has John just Googled the wrong Lord Wilmington for this entire episode? And he's actually amazing. There Lord is Wilmington
2: is actually just a racehorse. <laughs> <as well. laughs>
0: but you can, there are polls on Spotify.
1: Uh, you can also review us on iTunes. You can give us ratings. Please.
2: And if you're following us on Twitter at Primetime Cast, uh, you'll see we're putting up the drawings of the Prime Ministers as and when we get them. And we also have a picture of uh, Prime Cat doing all the research for this episode, which possibly explains why there was so <laughs> the little to say. Of the
1: research. <laughs> This was the write off, Lord Wilmington. We'll be back with Henry Pelham, but in the meantime, there'll be a Prime Cuts episode
2: and in the meantime you can follow us on twitter at primetime underscore cast or email us at writeonwriteoff at gmail.com
0: and remember never flinch never weary never despair and subscribe to our podcast Insert outtake here.